Welcome to Review the Future, the podcast that takes an in-depth look at the impact of technology on culture. I'm Ted Cupper. I'm John Perry. And today we are reviewing a documentary called The Immortalists. This one should be relevant to our audience because it's all about radical life extension. Specifically, it's about two figures in the field, Aubrey de Grey and Bill Andrews, two very different people who are working on anti-aging research. Right. This is a new documentary by a couple of new filmmakers named David Alvarado and Jason Sussberg. And it's um, actually already out in New York. It opened November 28th. And it's going to be opening in Los Angeles at uh, the Lemley NoHo uh, in North Hollywood on December 11th. So if you're in New York or Los Angeles and you're interested in uh, Radical Life Extension, um, you might want to check this movie out. Uh, the, the way it works with uh, documentaries that get a limited release like that is if they do very well in New York and L.A., then sometimes they can get a wider release. Uh, but this is a movie that I think, uh, at, at the very least, you'll see coming to you via video on demand. It seems like the kind of thing that's positioned well to do well in that market. You know, Ted and I are coming to this documentary, you know, pretty interested in the topic already. Uh, we've done a podcast before on the idea of radical life extension and what impacts that might have. And so we're not going to necessarily do a traditional film review here where we talk about its merits uh, filmmaking-wise, although we might discuss a little bit of that. Uh, this is going to be primarily about, you know, how does it uh, portray the the sort of life extension movement? How does it portray the science and... Is this a movie that would be interesting to see if you're already interested in these topics? Right. Well, Who is this movie for, basically? Uh, I mean, I think, obviously, there's lots of content out there uh, that's more aimed at, like, a, a nerdy, informed audience, and then there's a lot of things that are sort of simplified and dumbed down, and uh, a big question I had in my mind when uh, I found out that a movie like this existed was, well, how dumbed down is it? So we can sort of present our opinion of that to you. You know, both of these people are, you know, pursuing a scientific goal. So there's a little bit of science to this. Uh, the movie presents some of that science. And actually, I like the way that it presents it. It has some uh, pretty nice, simple visuals that it uses to mm -hmm. describe some of the core ideas that both Aubrey de Grey and Bill Andrews have. But uh, it doesn't probably tell you anything incredibly new. If you're somebody who's already interested in life extension research and already reads about it, I don't know that you're going to learn a ton. But it probably does do a good job of introducing these topics to somebody who has never heard of this. So, you know, we just passed Thanksgiving. Some of you might have had discussions at the dinner table with perhaps relatives who maybe aren't as into this concept as you are. Uh, if you're anything like me, at least, uh, I find that, you know, these life extension topics are not exactly mainstream right. at this point. So this movie may just serve a good purpose as a way to sort of show your friends and relatives that uh, you're not the only crazy person on the planet. Yeah, it's a fairly accessible endpoint, I think, to uh, the idea of radical life extension. And uh, they do a pretty good job of uh, kind of animating some of the basic concepts like telomere repair that are part of the strategy that, that, that scientists think is going to ultimately lead to radical life extension. It's definitely simplified, and if you're a nerd who's read up about this stuff, you'll find little things to quibble, but none of it's, like, objectively horribly wrong. Um, I think they did a pretty good job of, like, reducing the amount of detail without saying things that are totally false, uh, which is tricky sometimes. Yeah, I wouldn't have minded more science, obviously, in the movie personally, because I'm interested in these ideas primarily as ideas. 
And I think that this documentary at the end of the day is a documentary about people. You know, it's about uh, these two individuals and yeah. their lives. Yeah, and that definitely does seem to be the filmmaking philosophy behind it is that they, they're trying to give you kind of a, a feeling that you know these guys. It's a bit of a human interest story at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think to some extent that is the right choice probably. On one hand, you could go too far in sort of supporting these people blindly and sort of, you know, cheering them on uh, and taking the stance that, you know, they're saviors of humanity and on the other extreme, you could paint them as complete and utter crackpots and insane people. And the movie manages to kind of land in the middle there, primarily by just focusing on them as individuals, I think, and somewhat dodging. Right, you know. right. It's, it's extreme verite style, I think, really plays into how even-handed it feels, where you really do feel like a fly in the wall. So there are moments where uh, Aubrey de Grey feels a bit quixotic, or where uh, Bill Andrews, um, in my opinion, comes off as a little bit like a self-deluded... Uh, snake oil salesman, quite frankly. But, but there are fleeting. other moments where they come off very dedicated and serious. Um, I think more often to Grey than Andrews, but that may be a reflection of reality. What is clear from the movie is that these guys do believe what they say, even if they are wrong, which I think is... Um, honestly, I mean, in terms of uh, films that have been made of this type, I think that's very sympathetic. Uh, it could be, obviously, more sympathetic, but um, like you say, it, they need to maintain their own credibility with their audience and they need to make sure that they're not just being cheerleaders. Uh, so I, I think it does a re- relatively good job of that. I don't, I don't think if you're, um, you know, if you're a fan of these things, I don't think you're going to watch the movie and be infuriated by how unseriously they're treated or something like that, which has certainly been an experience I've had in other, you know, uh, when I've seen other documentaries about, about these sort of topics. Well, I think something that helps the movie a ton in that respect is that it's not focused on one individual. It's focused on two. And two people who actually disagree and are very different. And so that implicitly makes the statement that uh, it's not just about one of these guys. It's about this bigger pursuit and possibly plants the seed in the audience that, you know, maybe both of these people are completely wrong and going to fail. But this is maybe a larger movement and a larger fight than any one strange individual. Right, right. Well, and there's actually a third sort of major character in the story, which right. we'll talk about a little more later, but um, uh, there's a doctor uh, in the story, and some of you will be familiar with him. His name's Terry Grossman. But he's covered uh, maybe about a third as much as the other two guys, but he still has a, a significant amount of screen time, and the three of them are all actually going for the same goal, and they all have very different ideas and methodologies about how you do it. So I think that adds to this uh, idea that the goal is legit, even if um, perhaps some of the people are not, or if their quests are a bit quixotic at this time. There was a documentary that came out, I think, in 2009 that was, you know, made for Channel 4 in the UK that was primarily about Aubrey de Grey that uh, I think did a much worse job with respect to the tone issue that we're talking about. It it focused on him and uh, really painted him as sort of a person on a lone quest that was primarily personal in nature, like almost as if like the whole reason he was pursuing anti-aging research was to, you know, save his mom and his older wife. Right, uh, right, which he even addresses in this. They start off this movie uh, right away by addressing that because I movie. think that probably Aubrey de Grey felt burned by that prior documentary. Yeah, yeah, well, and he, he exclaimed that was totally ridiculous in his, you know, typically dramatic fashion. And, you know, he, you don't get the impression from this that he has one reason for pursuing anti-aging, you get the impression that he, like a lot of us, thinks it's a terrible thing that ought to be conquered. 
Yeah, and so, I mean, I think what's weird for me about watching this movie is, you know, on the one hand, I can appreciate it, you know, as a film for its, you know, filmmaking qualities. And on the other hand, you know, I really, like Ted, probably have somewhat of a horse in this race in that I think that life extension is a totally valid goal that I would like society to talk about more and I would like more funding to go into. Now, I, I, you know, I don't know how I feel necessarily about uh, the particular strategies of people like Bill Andrews or Aubrey de Grey and whether or not those are going to work. But in general, I like the notion of attracting attention to this topic and at least giving it some credibility as a worthwhile goal to pursue. So I, I'm coming to this as a bit of a biased viewer. Yeah, we're somewhat partisans ourselves, yeah. but I imagine so are a lot of the people in our audience. So if I had a criticism of the way they handled the people in the movie, I'd say my biggest criticism is that um, in its pursuit of a personal, maybe a relatable uh angle on each of the guys it uh zoomed in on i think their perhaps quirky personal lives and particularly their love lives in a way that i thought was sort of distancing and weird and sort of just had the effect of making them seem quirkier than i think they maybe even are the most extreme example of this in the film is that there's like a naked picnic that Aubrey de Grey goes on with his Yeah, like there's wife. a weird like John Lennon, Yoko Ono, like free love like, hippie you know, picnic. They're where, hippies. Like yeah. that's part of who they are. They're clearly hippies. There's lots of evidence of that in the movie, but I wasn't sure I needed to go on a naked picnic with them, or at least not for so long. Well, so just to be clear, this is Aubrey de Grey and his, uh, his wife, who's I think like 19 years older. He's older than him. Um, yeah. Like fully naked, like not, not a terribly graphic in the way that it's shot, but just like, just a scene of them, you know, being in love together. And it's, it definitely like is one of those things. It's like, it's, it sticks out in your mind when you're done watching the movie as like, that is weirdly salient. They spent a long time on it. Considering how little it actually matters to the, what I would think is the main point of the movie. Right, right. No, it seemed to be nothing more than sort of quirky background for him. And then there's like a pretty considerable sequence that's about, uh, the details of his polyamorous marriage, which I also just felt like the only purpose of putting that in a movie like this is to make a lot of judgmental people judge him. I, I, I don't know why anyone needs to know that. It was him. in danger of feeling a little bit like a gotcha moment. I think, you know, there's if somebody wanted to view Aubrey de Grey as kind of a like cult leaderish person, then this sort of gives them some fodder for that. You right, know? right. But it, I, it was like a compound kind of place in like yeah, Northern California yeah. that they described as like uh, a melting pot for the immortality and polyamory movements or something. Yeah. And I mean, I think that just sounds a little bit like sort of overblown to me. I, I'm not sure. Yeah. that I wasn't sure about that depiction. And there's a kind of similarly... I think problematic depiction of Bill Andrews and his girlfriend, who's a lot younger than him, and is like a, a an ultra marathoner. The both of them are are ultra marathoners, and I mean, I really liked the part of the movie that was about Bill Andrews running, and that was compelling because that showed his character, and it showed that he's determined, and maybe he does things that are kind of stupid in his determinism, but that's cool to and me. That felt like good filmmaking. Good yeah. filmmaking, good character. I felt like you know this is a guy who's on a race, both literally and metaphorically, and here they have footage of him running around. So it, it, it makes a lot of sense. But uh, they also spent, I felt like, an, an inordinate amount of time sort of in the details of his May-December relationship, which again, it's like, I feel like I don't have any judgment about that, but I imagine a lot of the people watching the film would, and that that would contribute to a 
portrayal of him as um, a quack or something, which I think is, you know, I think he already ha- is in a little bit in danger of that because of his methodology being so silver bullety. But I think the movie maybe pushes him even further toward that uh, than it needs to with the way that it portrays his personal life. Yeah, so there's some ways in which, like, the movie, I think perhaps, I mean, I don't know what the the goal of the filmmakers was specifically. I assume they were just pursuing what the most interesting, you know, lines of exploration that they stumbled across were. And, uh, but, you know, it definitely for me crossed the line with this sort of like weird polyamory subplot because it seemed un- too unrelated. I mean, I didn't mind as much. Too unrelated and too loaded culturally. Like, it'd be one thing if I expected most people wouldn't judge him for that, then it wouldn't be as as salient a detail. Like, they kind of goad the wife into complaining about the arrangement, and they cut that in such a way that she seems like she's not happy with it, and it does, I I feel like... It it, makes him look a little bit like a jerk, like, right at the end of the movie. Yeah, like, sort of at, right at the end of the movie when you've... At least in my uh, experience of watching the movie, you've sort of sided with him over the other guy, or at least that's sort of what happened to me as I was watching the movie. And then at the end, they sort of pulled this uh, punch on him. And, uh, you know, I guess it's real stuff, so it's not like they're making things up, but the presentation of it, I wasn't sure was totally responsible. Well, and I showed the movie uh, to a friend of mine who is not terribly interested in the topic of life extension particularly, and so they were watching it you know, not with the same biases that we're coming to it with. And, mm-hmm. and and this friend of mine, without any prompting, made the exact same comment. They were like, that was weird at the end with the, like, polyamorous stuff. Why was that there? So I, I think that that is a fair criticism. But anyways, it's a mild one, ultimately, because I think, you know, the summary review here is uh, this is a pretty damn good movie. It's It's pretty well made from a filmmaking perspective. I think it has probably the best presentation of these topics in a feature-length movie that we've seen so far. Not that it couldn't be better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think if... You know, our listeners want to support, you know, discussion of this topic. They should go out and see this movie. They'll probably enjoy it. And, uh, you know, we should support stuff like this. Yeah. Well, and maybe you can have a conversation about, you know, tolerating polyamory afterwards as well. Um, right. <laughs> At one point, Aubrey de Grace says he's like a poster child for future lifestyles or something. And it's like, yeah, you know. I, I'm not sure that that's true. I think he's a poster child for hippie lifestyles, which have been around now for some time. And hey, they work for some people, I'm not judging, but I also kind of feel like you could have a world of uh, death being obsolete without necessarily everybody becoming a hippie. <laughs> yeah, so at this point in the podcast, if you're, if you're completely committed to seeing this movie, and we are basically giving it a good review here, then uh, you might want to turn it off, because now we're going to kind of go through the movie and, and talk about whatever comes to mind sort of in the order that it appears in the film, which means that eventually we'll get to some spoilery territory. Yeah, not, though none of this is really very it, plot-driven, so... It's a documentary, so, you know, yeah. there's no twist ending here. But, yeah, if, if you did want to see the movie, now you could stop, but we're going to... Well, I guess the polyamory ahead. was the twist ending. We already gave that away. For some people, it might have been. I mean, it's I it's thought near he was such a nice man. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I thought he was such a heteronormative man. I never would have guessed, with, a, with, with a, a long beard with and the, the, long beard the and constant beer and drinking. And, uh, and, yeah, yeah. yeah, apparently the pickup line he used to meet his wife was... To point at her at a party and say, you justify your existence, (laughs) which uh, that was my favorite bit in the whole movie. And I I vow to use that someday. (laughs) Yeah, he like and they had a lot of pictures of him as a young man. And like there are people that I know that I that he reminded me of. Yes, Uh, he is a certain nerd type that I think we are. He's an alpha nerd, basically. Yeah, we, uh, we have some friends who are very like him. Uh, so anyways, let's kind of go through the movie. The movie starts by obviously introducing you to these two figures that are, you know, rather different. Right. And 
you know, one of the ways in which they're different is something we've already alluded to, which is that, you know, Bill Andrews is sort of like an exercise nut who's constantly running marathons. And, like, literally, they early in the movie, he's calling into a radio show to do an interview while running a half marathon or something insane. Yeah, yeah. Uh, whereas, like, Aubrey de Grey, you know, is basically always has a beer in his hand every single time you see him. Like he's, yeah, although he's a health nut, too. He rows constantly, which they show throughout the movie. He exercises, but movie. he's... But, yeah, he also drinks a lot and is, it seems... At first, anyway, less less uh, you know the picture of a um, of a health nut, or also less extreme in what he does with his body. Sure, uh, pr- more um, more conservative. Bill Andrews very early in the movie is, or they're talking about him pushing his body so far that he was you know airlifted out of a race. So that's arguably not something you do if you're really trying to live forever. <laughs> right, right. It's maybe something you do if you're getting older and trying to re- hold on to your youth. Which I think right away early in the movie is kind of the ideological dichotomy that they start to sort of paint between these guys as like Bill Andrews comes off a little bit like an old man who's afraid of dying and DeGrade seems to manage to come off as somebody who's just really dedicated to a concept, you know, and is much more like a cheerleader for for a concept. I I think you, like in talking to you about this, Ted, I think you must have gotten a much more negative impression of Bill Andrews than I did. Yeah, I didn't find him particularly sympathetic. So I think that's... Totally right. I mean, he strikes me as somebody who's got a lot of passion and drive, and I respect that, but he also seems like he's intellectually just not uh, not possibly right. I don't know. I mean, I found his ideas highly non-credible, and I found his... Um, his company to be kind of dodgy. Well, let's talk about their different approaches, right? Yeah, yeah. Because uh, the, the movie does that sort of fairly quickly in the beginning. And Aubrey de Grey's approach we've talked about before on the podcast, which yeah. is this idea of, you know, in- engineered negligible senescence, uh, which is revolves around repairing different types of cellular damage that accumulates in cells uh, and developing regenerative techniques to essentially clean up this garbage that accumulates, you know, well, both between and in cells and in other parts of the body right. that we believe contributes to aging. Uh, whereas Bill Andrews is focused pretty exclusively on the idea of telomeres. Right. He's specifically just trying to find a chemical that induces telomerase uh, expression in cells, period. Right. And he's screening existing chemicals uh, using modern technology to do this. The way that that's presented in the film, it might seem like it's analogous to like the thing that happened in the um the genome race when you had craig venter and you had um the national institute of health sort of fighting each other to come up with the best method for sequencing genes and the private method was like you know blow the thing apart and use the computer analytics to put piece it back together and the the stodgy and nih method was like we're gonna sequence these things one at a time and you know um at first people felt that uh, venter was crazy and now obviously he's he's the one who's won uh big time uh, that process got better and better, and the computers got better, and, and he won. And I think, you know, to some extent, what Bill Andrews is doing looks very much like he's trying to copy that Venter model of, like, we're just going to screen everything there is, and we're going to use the computer to sort of figure out, you know, sort it out and and find what can do this. But he has no actual theoretical basis for thinking that just inducing telomerase in cells is a good idea at all. Well, there's, I mean, there is some, there's some very, you know, tentative evidence that that might be a fruitful line of inquiry. Like it's it's not, it's not based on anything. I mean, there are, there are 
we'll link to some of them in the show notes, but there are experiments that show, you know, cells like behaving healthier and so on and so forth when their telomeres have been extended. Uh, and there's, you know, there's a study that Harvard did that Bill Andrews mentions early on in the movie, uh, which will also link to the details of, you know, that involves mice and reversing aging in mice in, to some extent, by some metrics, right. by lengthening their telomeres. So obviously this is a line of research that should be pursued. Sure, I think absolutely. Bill Andrews has yes. like, you know, put all his eggs in one basket. But he's assumed now, just because there's some promising results um, around telomere lengthening, which is of course uh, caused by uh, telomerase being in the the cell, but it's not the only thing that telomerase presence does in cells, that finding a chemical that will induce telomerase expression is the silver bullet that will end aging. And as is brought up in the film, that's highly uncertain. And uh, obviously, even if we were to find this chemical that he's looking for, there'd still have to be a tremendous amount of study to see if it could be used as a drug, um, just being taken throughout the body or whether that would have terrible But I feel like that's akin to just saying that there's work to do, which is true of Aubrey No, I think it's putting the cart well. before the horse because there's if you're going to put that money in, you should put the money into figuring out would a chemical that causes this even be a thing that's worth looking for? And to me, it doesn't like focusing on basic science and understanding the mechanisms of say what more telomerase in cells does, which we don't even know right now, that hasn't been significantly studied, seems way more important than screening a million chemicals. When you don't even have any reason to assume there'll be a chemical that will work, because we have no, there's no theoretical basis on right. which they're screening these chemicals. So to me, it looks like, honestly, a, a hunt for a magic potion. And it doesn't strike me as following the kind of path that true scientific breakthroughs of this kind tend to follow. Well, and there are other people who are, I think, doing more of the work that you're describing, who are trying to yeah. create studies to determine what the actual impacts of, you know, extending telomeres would be. Yes, in human yes. Cells. And I'm deeply interested in that. And I think, you know, uh, DeGray's foundation is one of the foundations that's funding some of that research. And I, I definitely think we should, I mean, I think obviously telomeres are a big part of aging and we need to figure out how to manipulate them in a way that's safe. But right now, we don't really have any idea whether just bathing the body in telomerase will do anything good. Or, you know, I mean, a big risk of it is that it could cause latent cancers to just explode. Because we know that one thing that uh, immortal cells and cancer cells have in common is... Uh, that they make their own telomerase. So, I mean, not to say that's going to happen, just that there's no, there's no data on this stuff now. Well, since, you know, well, there's some data. It's just very limited. Not and enough, not enough. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. but anyway, since we're jumping to the, dis the sources of the disagreements, the movie uh, eventually, you know, pits the visions of these two people directly against each other. You know, again, it's very simplified in the movie, but it explains how Aubrey de Grey's plan has an acronym W-I-L-T, which stands for Whole Body Interdiction of Lengthening of Telomeres, which right. involves essentially shutting off the production of telomerase as a way to short-circuit the growth of cancer. Right. Since cancer relies on telomerase to become immortal, part of Aubrey de Grey's work involves this concept that, you know, actually getting rid of this enzyme that would extend telomeres on purpose as a way to fight cancer, because that, of course, is one of the major causes of death as well. Right. So Bill Andrews would argue, you know, 
that cancer is not, you know, caused by telomerase. I mean, cancer benefits from telomerase. Cancer has to originate also with mutations within the cell that give rise to the cancer cell in the first place. Right. Like, I don't know the details of this, but um, turning on the telomerase uh, expression in the cell, I think, is part of the mutation process that that turns a cell cancerous. I mean, you need both of those things to have a dangerous cancer. Yeah. Uh, but it's not clear what... Well, we've never one? tried inducing cancer with telomerase. We don't know whether that works or not, but we have no evidence to think it does or doesn't at this point. Well, telomerase, extending telomeres will help cancer cells. Yes, so, cancer cells will thrive if they are bathed in telomerase. But you still have to have a cancer cell, which means that you need some mutations to lead to the cancer cell in the first place, right? right? Telomerase probably doesn't just create cancer cells. Although, who knows? I mean, We don't know that for sure. Yeah, so, it may or may not. Now, I mean, one of the other people that's sort of pursuing the line of telomere research uh, is someone named Michael Fossil, who recently did an interview on the Singularity 101 podcast oh, okay. that our listeners might be interested in, you know, perhaps in addition to seeing this movie, to get a little more of the sort of Bill Andrews type perspective. Okay. Uh, and, you know, he actually fully admits, you know, if you were to extend telomeres but not enough, it could actually be very dangerous in the sense that like, if you gave someone a little bit of extra cell life, you might just basically, and they were already old and prone to cancer, you would right. maybe just accelerate their cancer. Right. But uh, you know that if you made the cells young enough, possibly, again, if the theory holds, right. uh, that you would prevent you know, the type of copying errors that lead to the mutations that lead to cancer in the first place. Right. Well, and one of the things that people don't always realize about cancer is that since it's like a cellular uh, condition, it you probably have some cancer in you now. Like you have probably some cells that were damaged by some gamma rays or something, and uh, they are cancerous in your body now. They're just very small amounts, and your immune system is going to find them and kill them. And uh, if you were constantly bathing your whole body in telomerase, it's possible that those would, would tumorize um, more frequently or more easily. Than, sure. Than than the than what naturally happens, which sure. is that most most cancers are actually defeated in your body, and the only ones you find out about are the ones that get really bad to the point where we can detect them, which happens all after they're already pretty far along. Right. 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 Um, of course. I mean, all this stuff might change. I think one of the reasons that I find DeGray's approach more appealing is that because it's a multi-pronged approach, it takes into consideration the fact that while we're looking for these solutions other technologies are going to be accelerating. And Bill Andrews doesn't really talk about that at all. He doesn't really bring that into his... He's looking for this one technology that's going to solve Well, but the they don't actually cover that part of Aubrey de Grey's plan in this movie. You're right. So it's I, not in the movie, I but know, it's something I know about... You from, and I know extra information right. about Aubrey de Grey, and I think that that you know, makes him maybe appear more sympathetic. I think the movie presents his plan relatively simplistically that's as true. cleaning up garbage in the cell. Right, and uh, yeah, and they do sort of present them as just being sort of opposed on telomerase, where I feel like the truth is more nuanced, where I think... Uh, He's just admitting a lot more uncertainty than, than Andrews is. DeGray is just admitting a lot more uncertainty than Andrews is as far as what the proper regulation of telomeres is going to end up being. We all know they're going to be important somehow to defeating aging, but we don't know exactly how yet, I think. So anyway, yeah, that is, that is uh, the way they present that in the film is, I think, not as nuanced as... Um, I feel like if you've read the like SENS Research Foundation materials about what they're going for... Uh, you'll find actually a, a, a good deal of nuance um, 
and that they seem to be pushing for basically basic science research in these promising areas rather than promoting uh, some unproven uh, silver bullet. So I think that's why I find what they're doing just a bit more compelling and a bit more trustworthy <laughs> at the end of the day. Yeah, I would I would agree generally with the criticism that you made earlier, which is that, you know, hunting for a compound to, you know, extend telomeres uh, before doing a ton of research on the effect of telomere lengthening um, maybe seems like the wrong order. Oh, and there's uh, something the else way that, that I understand it. Yeah, yeah. And there's something else that's in the movie that I found... Um, a little sketchy, which is uh, the part where they show Bill Andrews and he's sort of desperate for money and he starts to sort of like work with a supplement okay, this supplier. Is, this is where he actually looks bad to me because, again, I found him more sympathetic than you, but like that's the moment where uh, it almost, the movie portrays it as if Bill Andrews is backed into a corner financially. He's losing funding and he basically sells out uh, to this isogenesis uh, supplement company yeah. and does this collaboration and he's now selling this product called product B, which, you know, we'll link to this in the show notes and you go and you watch the videos for product B and they definitely give you that hucksterish vibe. Well, right. Uh, and it even shows in the movie, like the guy saying, oh yeah, you know, our trials showed that this had some infinitesimal uh, amount of effect. It's like, you know, they're like natural supplements and they're supposed to lengthen your telomeres and they basically just don't have anywhere near enough data to make that claim. I mean, I, I don't know if it does. Or well, when you watch the videos, it, it has Bill Andrews talking about telomeres and his theory about telomeres. And then, it, you know, and then it just sort of shows you the product, but like they never really connect the dots. Like they say there's some sort of telomerase or, or telomere support or something in the supplement, but it, they're very vague on yeah. the website. I couldn't find it about like what the actual connection is. It seems like on the one hand, they just have someone talking about the telomerase theory. And then on the other hand, they're just probably selling a generically useful supplement that, you know, has some antioxidant properties or something really generic that, yeah, you know. Or useless. I mean, you just, yeah. yeah. I mean, the thing is, these things, they don't have really much data on on which of these supplements do any good for anyone right. anyway. So it's all like a pretty much a guess. And uh, that's not to say it is definitely useless, but um, it is, to me, a sketchy thing to be selling it has, as a product. It has the vibe of being sketchy and... Uh, and the fact that the way the film portrays it is that he doesn't seem to really be want to do it. Like, there's a scene where he's talking to the scientist, and he's like, so does it do anything, basically? And the guy's like, yeah, 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 it's fine. But he's even Bill Andrews seems a little skeptical of the things this guy is saying. The way it's presented in the movie, like... In the voiceover, Bill Andrews is like, well, we don't have any other streams of income. Yeah, he's like on the phone, right? And he's like, I remember that scene. He's like on the phone and he's like, just seems desperate for money. You know? And now, now maybe that's a misportrayal of this that we're just getting from the movie. I'm but sure that's... they wanted to make a story out of it, but it seems, I mean, they got that footage. So I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, so anyways, the movie kind of starts by like, you know, giving the broad strokes of what these people are trying to do, t spends a lot of time on their close friends and family uh, many of who are are old or, or dying. Uh, a best friend of Bill Andrews, uh, who's working for right. him at his biotech company, actually has cancer and um, and actually dies in the film. Right. So uh, uh, you know they they add. I mean, some of these you know 
more human interest elements I think are good by like sort of making the issue of defeating death very, you know, intense within the film. Right. Um, and I'm mean, making it personal without making them into total crackpots. I thought sure. they actually did a good job of that. Yeah, I liked that said, element yeah. actually a fair amount, uh, at least, especially how it works in the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, later it starts getting maybe more attention than I would like. And then like an early fun part in the middle of the movie is when the two of them yeah. are momentarily in the same scene. They both go to Terry Grossman's office yeah. Uh, Terry Grossman, a doctor who specializes in trying to help you live forever. Right, right. Uh, and, and this is the doctor, if you're familiar with um, Fantastic Voyage or Transcend, the two Ray Kurzweil uh, like sort of diet books that are out. Um, they were co-written by the same doctor, Terry Grossman. So he's a, he's a funny character and he comes on and has a little bit of his own ideas about things. And the occasion for them to come and see him is they all, you know, the two men, uh, DeGray and Andrews, get a checkup. It's actually the the best part of the movie. Kind of, it they're they're like competitive about how well they're doing on their health stats. Because apparently, one of the things that Terry Grossman can quantify for you is like what your actual biological age and how that's somehow different from your actual age. I'm not sure what the methodology is. Yeah, they have is. some methodology by which they determine that. So, like, I'm 43, but I'm biologically 32, or whatever, you know. I mean, uh, even like, uh, you know, the Wii does this, right? When you when you do the the Wii fitness test, it tells you how old you are. I'm always disappointed because it tells me I'm older than I really am. <laughs> right, and. <laughs> It's a bad sign. I mean, but is that like based upon like like how close you are to like the median health statistics for people? Like, I don't know how that. I works. don't know. I mean, on the Wii, I think all the only information it has is uh, how balanced I am and how much I weigh. <laughs> well, I, I hope Terry Grossman does a better job than he's the Wii. Pro- he's probably got a lot more, you know, blood tests and things factoring into his calculation. But yeah, so they have a competition over who has, you know. Who's healthier, basically? Right. And uh, well, and not just who's healthier overall, but who's healthier relative to their real age, right? Because like DeGray kind of gives Andrews that he's older, but he still beats him. He was only nineteen years younger than his real age, and I'm twenty years younger than my real age. Yeah, I beat him by one year. <laughs> one one relative year. Yeah, which was a really fun little bit. And then yeah, Grossman actually describes his own version of this, which is the bridges. Which basically, you know, his point makes a lot of sense. Is which is that you use the best technology available now to try to keep yourself healthy until better technologies come available in the future, basically. Yeah, there's a nice visual explanation in the film of Terry Grossman basically portraying the idea of longevity escape velocity. I don't think they use that term probably for good reason. It's kind of a mouthful. Right. Uh, But the concept that, yeah, if if we keep extending lifespans a little bit uh, and we keep living longer and longer to experience these advances, then eventually maybe you can get to living forever sort of incrementally. Right. They have like a cool sort of graph where it drops a year off the end of your life and adds one at the other side. And then it's like, but what if we start, you know, adding a year of life per year of research and then reach uh, longevity escape velocity and effectively live forever? People's life expectancy keeps going up around the same amount of time that they are that they're burning by living. And yeah, so that's a cool part of the movie and and actually one of the parts I like the best. Um, So in the middle of the movie, you know, after they've gotten their checkup from Terry Grossman, you kind of introduce the antagonists of the movie, right? And they they each have their own antagonists. So Bill Andrews' antagonist is Leonard Hayflick, who is, you know, portrayed as sort of the the father of aging research. Uh, He's somebody who discovered something called the Hayflick limit, which is the notion that 
uh, cells can't just divide forever, uh, right. even in culture. Um, if you take an older person's cells, they're going to stop dividing sooner than a younger person's cells, right. implying that there is some limit whereby you know cells suddenly just give up and can't they just inc- incur too much damage and they can't effectively split. They can't keep dividing. Right. Um, and that's called the Hayflick limit. Uh, and so, you know, Leonard Hayflick is somebody who's quite a bit older now and is pretty skeptical of really, I mean, both of these men. I think both Bill yeah. Andrews and Aubrey de Grey. I mean, he he's he, skeptical of anti-aging as a, as a concept basically because he failed to achieve it during his scientific Well, I don't know. I don't want to... He has, he has... I mean, I don't know that that's really his intention, but he has the, the air of a, of a grumpy old academic, I think. Well, I mean, he gives voice to the, the other side of this opinion, the sort of like, you know, he shows in the movie a, a painting that's really old of people going into a fountain of youth and coming out young again. And, you know, he sort of puts this in the historical context of, you know, of course, people have been questing after this and promising this for ages. And, right. you know, he brings the skepticism to the movie that, you know, the movie probably needs. Sure, so of course. So that comes out of the mouth of this person who's also just happens to be, you know, an, an expert aging, in the field, yeah. An aging researcher. And an aging, aging researcher. A what? An aging, aging researcher. An aging, researcher. aging researcher, yeah. yeah. Uh, um, but then the other antagonist, uh, is Colin Blakemore, who is somebody that Aubrey de Grey gets into one of those debates that they have at Oxford with. And, uh, I think the subject of the debate is, you know, should we defeat aging or something? Should the house defeat aging? Yeah. Uh, Um, and, uh... That's sort of an infuriating part of the movie for me to watch because that's, again, a situation where I have a very biased opinion. I, I think Aubrey de Grey is right on that Yeah, issue. we very much have a horse in that race. But, uh, well, especially since the argument that Blakely makes is not, it's not technically feasible. The argument that he makes is it's like not desirable, which I find insane. Yeah, the debate, to be clear, was not about <laughs> can we do this? It was should we do this? And the arguments uh, against doing it are things that, you know, we've discussed before on the podcast, like, you know, concerns about overpopulation or concerns about, you know, growing senility among people that are living longer, but not, you know, living mentally healthier right. lives, uh, and so on and so forth. Things that I think are pretty easy to problematize. Or just like going against the natural order, it seemed to be his largest point. <laughs> he didn't seem to have a lot of strong points that would negate the notion that, you know, if we can do this, we might as well try it. And if some of these Problems arise, we'll deal with them, right? Like, yeah, just, like I feel like when you bring up the the Malthusian stuff, it's just the same exact thing as saying like, oh, well, people have always wanted a fountain of youth and it's always been a lie. Well, people have always thought that we were near the edge of our carrying capacity and it's also always been a lie. Again, we've already extended lifespans to where now we have a problem, significant problem with Alzheimer's. And so right. does the fact that we have that problem now mean that in the past we should have made the advances that we've already made? Like, would anybody like want to roll back the clock on medical research because now we have more people living longer and we're dealing with Right, and some, and some of them have Alzheimer's, right. Exactly. I think that's a great example. I mean, I think there is an extent, obviously, if we could only extend life and not health, there's an extent patched which we wouldn't want to extend it. But this is a disingenuous argument if you're arguing against SENS, because SENS is all about expanding health span. It's repairing cellular damage, and that would include cellular damage in the brain. So you would be fighting Alzheimer's at the same time you're fighting death if that's the approach you're talking about taking to this. And yeah. so that's, that seems like, honestly, a disingenuous argument against Aubrey de Grey. Maybe not against Bill Andrews and his silver bullet approach, but, uh, but that's not 
that wasn't the context. So anyways, it's, it's partially infuriating if you had take our perspective because Colin Blakemore wins this debate. Yes, which uh, the way he wins is, if you're not familiar with Oxford-style debating, is you know, there's a vote taken of the audience, and the audience uh, sides with him. And uh, of course, Aubrey de Grey in the film takes this pretty hard, which was sort of endearing to watch, I thought. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I found that made me like him more. So both of the men, you know, experienced sort of some sort of hardships. I mean, in true filmmaking style, there's a bit of an arc, right, where they like start out hopeful and then they're sort of like pursuing their dream and then, you know, they, they hit some kind of roadblock. So Aubrey de Grey's, I think, is losing that debate is kind of his low point. Yeah. Um, and, and for Bill Andrews, like, you know, kind of losing his business um, is, is sort of one low point, although Bill Andrews has an additional low point. Uh, where he attempts to run this insane marathon in the Himalayas for the second time, actually. Right. We've already heard he almost died doing it once, and then we watch him try to do it again. And he, and he, he wants to get... Well, he, he sort of makes it to the finish line by, like, walking and taking a break. Like, he, he kind of finishes, but, yeah, it's definitely, like... Well, he doesn't get airlifted out, so he nearly he dies better, in the process again. But he nearly dies, and he has, like, a... A horrible breakdown on the floor that they catch all of that's like pretty amazing to watch actually cinematically. And when he's in incredible pain and it's finally become clear to him that he's not going to finish this race, not not the way he wanted to. And uh, he's just losing. He, he really loses it. And it's it's pretty amazing. Yeah. So the, the movie ends in a place where uh, yeah, Bill Andrews is sort of future is uncertain. Um, his, his dad is still alive at that point, although his dad is suffering from pretty bad uh alzheimer's or dementia i forget which one right he couldn't remember things he's in the film right uh but otherwise bill andrews sort of doesn't have his company doesn't have funding has the sort of product b situation going which you know feels a little bit like a sellout right or like a compromise for him at best you know um whereas aubrey de grey you know it has this new foundation in Silicon Valley right. that has gotten funding and he's sort of on the up and up and he's hanging out in sunny Silicon Valley. And there's some like funny like part where Colin Blakemore, the guy who beats him in the debate is just sort of dismissing all of California as a bunch of flakes. Do yeah. you remember that part? Yeah. Like, so yeah. So Aubrey DeGray moves out to California, but where like, he can get funding. Yeah. Uh, because these flakes make things that, you know, serve billions of people and uh, and pay them tons and tons of money. Right. So, you know, I mean, and that's, I, I think the movie does a good job of showing that there's still that snotty elitism in the world without siding with it. So I think they did a good job. Yeah, of, yeah. You know, just sort of showing that. Um, so, yeah. So at the end, like, you know, you know, Aubrey Dre has funding and Bill Andrews doesn't. So it's like, it's definitely, that's the sense in which we meant earlier on that, like, I guess Aubrey Dre sort of wins the movie. He does seem was to a competition, be winning. Which yeah. it, at times it is. So. Yeah, well, they take it that way. I mean, uh, they joke in the doctor's office, like, oh, I didn't know this was a competition until now, but now I'm going to take it really seriously or something. So I think that's, you know, yeah, that was like, what I thought they did a really good job. The filmmakers, this movie really built um, a kind of rivalry between these two men that I think is somewhat constructed, but, but is serves the purpose of the film really well. Uh, one thing that Aubrey de Grey said that I thought was kind of interesting is he talks about what he feels, uh, how he defines success. Um, and this was actually what I found, I don't know, maybe most interesting, most compelling about him, where Bill Andrews defines success as like defeating aging using the silver bullet technology that I've come up with. Well, and he's very clear, like, I will see my dad right. live forever. Right. He wants to save his own dad's life by injecting him with like, you know, a huge shot of uh, some chemical that's going to make telomerase um, get expressed in his cells. 
that seems like a very long shot that that's going to work. There's so many different things that have to go right in that. Uh, but what uh, DeGray says is, well, he'll, he'll feel he's been successful if he obsoletes himself. And by that, he further explained if he obsoletes himself by making this concept so mainstream and so accessible and so well-supported that you no longer need a man with a long beard who's a cheerleader for the concept because it's its own thing. You know, uh, if you imagine the way uh, cell phones are today or consumer internet products are today, you don't need anybody evangelizing for them. They sell themselves. Everybody knows if you've got the resources, you should put them into this. He also makes the point that if you say, you know, accelerate a cure for aging by a few days you've saved an obscene number of lives. Sure. Well, and that's his because rational basis for why it's worth doing this, even though he might see only ex, you know, incremental success. He's like, incremental success in this... In the, multiplies by in a the, huge in number. In the business of solving the death problem, multiplies yeah. in a big way. All right, let's wrap it up. Uh, I just want to remind everybody that uh, we have a Twitter handle now, which is RTF underscore podcast. Um, and uh, follow us there. We're going to be, you know, posting updates about when new shows come out, but also, you know, just random futury thoughts that we have. Uh, so that's another way to to interact with us. Yeah. So send us a tweet or or follow us there. Uh, leave us a comment on our rating. Uh, if you're on iTunes or Stitcher, we uh, love to hear from you guys. Uh, or you can send us an email. Um, and this movie, The Immortalists, uh, is going to be out in theaters uh, in. Los Angeles on December 11th and it's already out in New York so if you're in one of those cities um, I'd recommend you go see it I think it's worth it thanks for listening to subscribe or leave a comment on this episode please visit reviewthefuture.com you can also send emails to feedback at reviewthefuture.com Thanks for listening.